So if you have a company that works with a very large security company provider, they may be route like at least tens of thousands of guards all over the world every morning mm. and every evening on beat yeah. planning. We help them do that. It's because today they're doing it manually. Right? It's a scheduler that they just say hey, this person goes there, that person goes there. Right? So very simple routing problem. Same way we are getting into asset servicing. Okay, let's say you are a telco. Uh, or your oil and gas company or you have let's huge pipelines everywhere you have assets that you have tagged and allocated yeah. assets get spoiled very often yes so some modem conks off some bulb conks off some this conks off so how do you like schedule servicemen throughout these network right so the our routing is can cater to all this so when you say routing it's not routing of just car or bike or bus oh amazing right so that's the fundamental difference in api first architecture vis-a-vis uh solutions architecture that's built purely for let's say a specific vertical welcome to the mobility innovators podcast hello everyone welcome to another episode of mobility innovator podcast i'm your host jaspal singh mobility innovator podcast invite key innovator in the transportation and logistics sector to share their experience and future forecast in this episode we'll be discussing the role of artificial intelligence in shaping up the future of mobility and logistics industry our today guest is an amazing entrepreneur he's currently co-founder of nextbillion.ai a startup that provide location based tech solution using artificial intelligence for the mobility and logistics industry before starting nextbillion he was leading geo data operation team at grab and was working as senior director of product he has also worked as a product manager at google and led development of several key product including google flight and google assistant he was born in india but has worked in us japan and singapore He's known for his expertise in AI and is part of Folk Tech Council. He also featured as Fortune 40 under 40. I'm so happy to welcome Ajay Bulsu, co-founder of nextbillion.ai. Now it's time to listen and learn. Hello Ajay, it's great to have you on the show. I'm really excited uh, about this, you know, because we finally made it as we were trying to find a slot for for some time. So I really want to use this opportunity to know about you about your entrepreneurial journey and your thought on innovation in geospatial mapping space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely just one very excited to be here. Uh I know uh we've rescheduled a couple of times and I'm, I'm sorry about that but I'm just glad we <laughs> made it finally. No but that's that's part of entrepreneurial life. You have to hustle and and I love that. So I mean I I never mind that. So don't okay. worry. Now to start with the, I just want to know a little bit more about you uh, I mean you have a very interesting profile and and I see you are very active on LinkedIn but I want to know something which you haven't published about your career on LinkedIn uh, lots actually uh, and especially the initial uh, the initial days were not all rosy uh, especially when you go out of college straight right so I graduated I'll give you a little background right so I I graduated straight out of recession yeah uh, 2009 so a to get a job itself was very tough uh, yeah. so uh, after f- five years in engineering and a masters uh, actually i had to come back home uh, to india because uh, there was no jobs in uk at that time so there was a lot of struggle for a year year and a half to get into a small company also then i got into a very small company that does demand planning and forecasting called steel wedge uh, mm. i don't really talk about the initial days of my career too much right everything starts with google <laughs> so there was a lot of pre google to 2 3 years of you know hustling and uh, just you know just making some money and just making sure you're in the market and you're not irrelevant uh, so then it starts off with google uh, then i mean i'm slowly starting about how google didn't end well for me but google was amazing for me uh, but that's 
that story for another day okay <laughs> but i think it was like initial times were very tough uh, but once we got into the market and got into the weeds i think it's been like relatively a good interesting journey like no complaints mm no amazing it it's it's it, it's interesting to know that you came out uh, of college during the recession time because i can imagine it was very tough yeah. but at the same time it helped you to build something stronger because you understand yeah. the market condition and yeah. and you start from basic so it yeah. actually make you more stronger and i can see how you are building your venture now and and another question now you not only started your first career uh, after recession actually you started your venture after a yeah. big crisis of pandemic which which is Correct. another part of your life story so i would love to know why why next billion when were you doing so great at uh, grab you were at a senior position good yeah. point uh, in your career and yeah, suddenly yeah. in 2020 you decided okay now it's time to leave the cushy job and start next billion so uh, few few things here uh, a we didn't expect the pandemic we didn't okay. think we'll start in pandemic will hit that is the first thing uh we started in f- sort of feb march 2020 uh we thought it just be a flu we didn't really mm-hmm. think of it like oh this is going to be a three year you know epic uh then march the world locked up right so mm. you are in the in it now right so uh, yeah you can quit always your company would take you back because you're like a month into your quitting but there was no way we were going to do that when I mean, we went out to think okay listen we will do this uh, and uh, the years that followed there's no regrets as of today yeah, right we are doing really well uh, we've learned a lot i'm not sure the company according to a lot of people is doing like as they expected like you mm. know uh everyone vcs everyone have their own expectations of how revenue should scale etc etc but i think for us fundamentally we are solving a very tough problem it's not a copy paste it's not like you will go and find 300 location platforms there that do the same thing there are hmm. very few in the world uh, we are fundamentally reinventing the problem and we thought the opportunity we didn't know big or small but we thought okay there's a okay sized opportunity here for us to go and do something so and we were three people who were very good at what we do uh, there was a lot of trust uh, in you know each other and very hard to find a team so i'm raising in entrepreneurship two things are tough right a to find a problem that you think yeah. you know how to solve uh, two is to find a team that knows how to solve this problem uh, mm-hmm. and both were in our hands right so we said okay if we don't do it now early 30s then we'll never do it <laughs> <laughs> so essentially philosophically it was more about uh, when do we do it it's uh, and the responsibilities will always keep increasing uh, which we are seeing now uh, so i just think there's no right place right time you should wake up one fine morning and say listen i'm quitting my job right i am going to do this only yes. then can you become an entrepreneur otherwise you cannot plan for 3 years and get everything right and say listen this is exactly how i'm going to set it up then it's impossible to be an entrepreneur i think no that that's very true in fact that's remind me of my time when i quit my first job i was in a public sector and yeah. i kept my re, you know resignation letter in my draft for 3 months and one fine day i just wake up and i said i have to send it today i i i was waiting to do something plan something like you said you can't yeah. do it and one day you need to just take a call and go for it and trust in yeah, your guts or trust in your <laughs> yeah you have to trust in yourself actually there's nothing else uh, self belief is the only thing that you need the rest will follow i understand almost 95% of all startups will fail mm-hmm. uh, we also don't know how next billion will do right so we've never we've never gotten into this thinking 
we have to become 10 billion company we have to become 1 billion company we just got into thinking let's have fun right mm-hmm. let us take this as a job that anyway we would have done it's not like we would not have done a job uh, so let's take it that way with higher responsibility uh, and see how it goes right it, there was no future planning or anything in our heads we just thought we take it by the year and see how it goes i love that point because i, I was teaching a class a day before yesterday i was telling entrepreneur is just go for it don't plan about valuation and money because then you will never able to build something if you really want to build something you need to just believe the purpose the mission you want to do and just go for it and and rest all will follow and and that's a way to go for it uh, now your fun part in life like you said next billion is your your fun part you are enjoying you are doing it something so next billion is a startup which is focusing on ai powered mapping solution and i don't know many people understand that because it's 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 something which is hidden some sometimes people don't understand <laughs> sometimes people don't understand how this whole mapping work so can you tell more about the company and what make it unique like you mentioned you are different from other the problem you are solving is not that big but at the same time it's very unique and and sometimes people will ask like why i need next billion when there is a google map like how different it is from using google map uh, and why businesses should go for it so uh, first things first we are moving away from this mapping sort of narrative currently right so i think it's it's causing a bit of confusion that you know why mm-hmm. do you run a mapping company in the world so this is not so we are becoming a more location tech company all inclusive location uh, in which right. mapping is an input right so what we have done for two two and a half years is we have built a platform that can help us serve a lot of use cases uh, mm-hmm. the fundamental difference between other companies and us is others built solutions on a google or a here they just took what exists and they started building solutions of routing route optimization logistics whatever right on top yeah what we did was we did it reverse so we are first we first last two and a half years built a platform for mapping mm-hmm. so where maps serves as an input into this platform same way into the same platform there be satellite imagery that serves as an input street imagery so any spatial data serves as an input okay it can be a repo of sorts on that repo you mix match the best of this and you build solutions on top it can be routing optimization like logistics b2b field force trucking so what we are now doing we are building more vertical specific solutions on a horizontal platform great right? so the next 2 to 1 half years we are focused on just purely understanding a retail use case understanding a transportation use case understanding a public transit use case and have this very nimble maps platform that we've built to build solutions on top so essentially we will merge four or five or six companies into into one right so mm. you just if you want anything location just come to us tracking tracing tiling routing eta navigation geocoding imagery rendering name it map making osm uh, so whatever you want to build on a spatial data stack you come to us we sort of want to be snowflake or databricks what they do for generic data yeah. we do it for specific geospatial data that's sort of the thesis with which we started we the early early mapping narrative was to prove some thesis and also win some customers yeah but now that we've done both and we've raised some funding and uh, next is we're going to do proper vertical specific solutions amazing that's great that's great now it make more clear it so it's not it's not just a mapping solution it's actually location based tech solution it's, where it's where... really lds right so it, the whole point of this whole thing is only with location based systems okay so now you mention about uh, this location based tech system and mm-hmm. one of the key point for location based tech is this route optimization yes. and i think it's very important for for transportation right. for 
ride hailing company micro mobility logistic e-commerce because if i can deliver my packet faster i can do more delivery if i can reach my destination faster my vehicle utilization can be higher so yes. i would say the route optimization have a big impact on the yes. on the business case yes. so i just want to understand how this whole location based tech can help in this route optimization yeah. and it'll be great if you can share some real use cases with your yeah. client some success stories yeah yeah so see i think there are at least at least 500 routing companies in the world it's it's yeah. not like it's not like we are the first or uh, we won't be the last either in this uh, the right uh, so all these companies in the past were built again same thing i told you on existing maps platforms they were not nobody built a platform first solution they built a hmm. solution first solution okay then they focused on a vertical if you are a delivery company i'll give you everything end to end i'll give you a mobile app integration sms inventory planning blah 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 everything okay yeah so but they were still underlying it was getting powered by the same problem that is that's there with existing platform i can't open close the road i can't draw new points i can't add a geofence i don't have any capability on the data front for me to change mm -hmm. anything so th that's why we instead of rushing to the to building route optimization the first year we first built this underlying platform. Now we are building specific route optimization for hazmat trucks, a route optimization for buses, okay. route optimization for uh, hyper-local delivery, right? Because each nuance of this thing, the nuances will change, but the algorithm slash the way you do it, it remains pretty much the same, right? Like you may tweak a few parameters. That's one fundamental difference. Second fundamental difference is the API first approach. All these yeah. people were integration and solutions first approach, meaning I'll integrate with your ERP, I'll integrate with your existing data. Each one was to take eight to nine months to close one thing, right? Mm. So they could not serve the small and medium guys at all. It's because they only were targeting at the larger guys. Yeah. But currently we can serve the whole, whole system because even a small guy with 10 fleet or a large person with 1,000 fleet and 10,000 restrictions, both can use the same platform. Oh, amazing. Okay, so the API first approach in adding the parameter, configuring and tweaking the API layer rather than the solutions layer is no dev effort, zero code. So that helps a lot. So these are two things we have solved infrastructure wise. Now, okay. purely solution wise and routing wise, all the points you mentioned are extremely relevant. It's very important that you have this for efficiency gains. You have it for bottom line. You have it not as an algorithmic layer, but more a business logic layer on top. So all three things we provide today. Right. If you know that there's a game in Staples Center in LA, you want to close off the roads because you don't want any of your deliveries or trucks or to go there. You should be able to do that as a business logic perspective, not algorithmic perspective. Right. So we can go and do that today on our platform. We have a route restriction tool. You can open and close roads time based on its own. It opens up again. Okay. Uh, anyway, if you want to draw geofences to say, hey, these are the various geofences in a city. I want my deliveries to go in a specific way. You can you can do that and. You can do all this in the same set of tools. There's no need to go to multiple places to scramble to get this into one place. That's what we are building towards in, in, in terms of routing, route optimization, planning, scheduling, dispatch. Uh, and the good part is a lot of the companies who focus on deliveries or cars or trucks. We can dispatch, schedule, allocate anything that moves. People... Okay. I mean, I mean, let's say you're a security company, like we have a use case right now, like you asked me for a couple of use cases, right? Yeah. So we have a, so we have a company that works with a very large security company provider. They may be route like at least tens of thousands of guards all over the world every morning mm. and every evening on beat yeah. planning. We help them do that. It's because today they're doing it manually, right? It's a scheduler that they just say, hey, this person goes there, that person goes there, right? So very simple routing problem. 
same way we are getting into asset servicing okay let's say you are a telco uh, or your oil and gas company or you have let's huge pipelines everywhere you have assets that you have tagged and allocated yeah. assets get spoiled very often yes right? so some modem conks off some bulb conks off some this conks off so how do you like schedule servicemen throughout these network right so the our routing is can cater to all this so when we say routing it's not routing of just car or bike or bus oh amazing right? so that is the fundamental difference in api first architecture visavis uh solutions architecture that's built purely for let's say a specific vertical now that that's interesting because that means that you can do resource planning so it's not just route optimization yeah. it's yeah. actually so we are optimizing resources not routes yeah i think that's the best way to explain it because that's what businesses are looking how to optimize their resource given less manpower available and less time available and you want to do more so with the resource yeah. planning you can reach to more places great thank you for sharing that i think that make much more sense now one of the key challenge a lot of agencies or i would say delivery company logistic companies are facing is this electrification thing like everybody want to move toward electrification but the problem with the electrification is or electric vehicle is the range it's very limited and the other problem is the charging time people people are not sure how much time it will take to charge and how much time i can use this vehicle so how do you think the ai can help to make mobility and logistic more sustainable and environment friendly given yeah. like you mentioned your resource planning in fact i don't know if you saw the tesla demo day recently the tesla annual day and they share how tesla is using the trip planner with efficient routing now you can build your route map based on the vehicle range as well as the availability of the charger so you don't need to yeah. wait and yeah. go for that so i just Correct. want to understand how you think uh, the ai will help in this whole electrification thing yeah so so if if you look at routing historically uh it's been on shortest path or quickest time usually yeah okay. uh but since gasoline network was available abundantly in the world they didn't care ever as to where the next gas station is because it doesn't yeah. matter you'll find a gas station somewhere so the input was very different input was just like distance length time traffic right Uh, but with ev there are other factors to consider ev has uh, i mean tesla has a lot of data on their own so for them to build it is pretty easy but yeah not everyone's going to start start building their own sort of you know uh, route optimization model so in our opinion what's going to happen is the input same way the api architecture we have built it becomes an input into that right you change configurations like geocoded addresses of every like every charger in city like that is one you're yeah. optimizing for charge here you're not optimizing for uh, time or distance that's one mm. uh, it may be the longer route but you know it will give you better mileage okay yeah. so yeah. Uh, it's up to you to have that call like do you want to take a longer route with better mileage because let's say the terrain you'll have to take for the shorter path it doesn't have a good road or it's a slope mm. or it's a mountain so these are things that you like, consider as you go into ev so you need to work very closely with the manufacturer to understand what is the mechanical engineering behind that battery drain first okay mm. and how much of this is geospatial focused how much of this is terrain focused because see in also in a ev or a regular gasoline car if the driver is bad or erratic you can't do much but for a normal driver modeling if this person takes x road in seattle that has a lot of slopes versus y road that has no slopes it may be longer yeah but they could have more charge okay if that is the problem statement that's how it's going to differ so ai will start determining some of these things okay in terms of is this the path as i mean obviously tesla is using ai to exactly determine the same path right to see whether hey has has my model 3 given a more charge over last week 
than this week based on the same route that they've taken a different driving patterns or a, a different route to reach the same destination has this route been better than that i suggest that then right so it's essentially what ways did for traffic i think ai will do the same for evs at some point mm -hmm. so listen your next charger is there it, it doesn't matter whether your route is that or not you go yeah. via this charger then you will reach quicker or you will reach easier is what will differ yeah and I, I think the important point to share is that tesla has a big large fleet so they can optimize their fleet themselves but right. many other player many other independent players <coughs> They, they yeah, don't they have access to that kind of a data. So what they have to do is they have to work with other third-party player like NextBillion to, to optimize yes. these routes. Yeah. And, and the point you mentioned is it's very important because for gasoline car, I generally take the same route going and coming back. But probably yeah. for EV vehicle, it makes more sense. While going, you take a route which has slope, downhill. You can cover the distance faster. And then while coming back, you take a you know route which doesn't have any slope so that you can save your battery or energy amazing no that that makes sense and and i i i truly agree with you the role of this kind of mapping and ai will be more important for electrification otherwise we will never able to achieve what we are intending to now one of the key points you mentioned in one of your earlier interview and which which you mentioned that future of location is decentralization mm -hmm. you said uh, it's it's not same one map yeah. uh, doesn't fit all so I would love to know a little more about what does what do you mean by future of location is decentralization? And how do you see mapping and optimization technology evolving in next few years? Like what are the innovation do you think we will be seeing in this sector? Will it we see more use of blockchain or digital twins or or AI or or something else? Because every day we we hear something new. So how you see that the, these technology will impact the market? So I think, see, a lot of buzzwords. Uh, I don't think a lot of these things will even come to some commercial fruition at some point. No. Uh, some will, like almost certainly. Uh, I just think the, see, the future is decentralized in our world, meaning this is not a Web3 crypto jargon. It's more, yeah. uh, if you look at fundamentally how location tech was built over the last three decades or two decades, uh, people are data is king. I'm going to collect a lot of data and uh, I will distribute the data in a centralized fashion. Uh, and this is exactly what happened for the last two years, uh, sorry, for, for the last 20 years, where whoever owned data was king. But with open source coming up in a massive way, like, you know, whatever, when you see GitHub uh, and things in regular coding, or let's say Linux in regular coding uh, or operating systems, we are very in that cusp in geospatial currently. Hmm. Over the last decade, a uh, lot of, lot of work has been put into open sourcing a lot of the geospatial data. Yeah. So the future when I say decentralized is who has the best software to keep this data fresh, to maintain it, to build solutions on top of this data. Hmm. And I'm talking about the 2D world in open source. The 3D, 5D, every world will become the same way because you cannot, you can't maintain. If you look at Waymo, they've hmm. still not been able to crack any uh, logical country level, you know, right hailing issue. Yeah. And the only reason is because you cannot keep driving cars and burning mileage to keep your maps fresh. You have to crowdsource this information at some point. You have to have systems to take in this feedback, keep it fresh. You need low fidelity devices, not like insanely decked up cars to go and drive it. And this is the only reason why self-driving has not become commercial. Hmm. Because cities change rapidly. And for them to keep up with the changes of the city, they have to go drive again. Yeah. So the whole operational bandwidth to keep it is tough. This also will become decentralized. 
right? The eventually your phone camera or your own camera will have enough fidelity to capture almost LiDAR grade images, pump it into a system that you get rewarded for via a blockchain. Okay. Then you have a reward system on that blockchain. Then you sort of go into maintaining this data and building solutions on top. That part of it, I agree, can get commercialized, but at a very, very large scale, everything else is jargon words. So you need to have a very mm -hmm. specific problem statement as to why you're tackling it. So there are certain things like rewards, recognition, as I said, like crowdsourcing, you know, maintenance of data that is, uh, you know, pumped in. All this, I think, will become on a blockchain. All things, all of this will become more and more decoupled slash decentralized yeah. rather than being centralized with one big tech player. That's the future is what we think is almost certainly going to happen. And we are building our solutions to like cater to that future. Interesting. No, I, I agree with you. Like a lot of these jargon, but at the same time, what you mentioned about decentralization, about uh, how to crowdsource information, because it's it's hard for company to update the map on daily basis. I mean, our world is changing. A lot of oh. construction, a lot of incident, a lot of uh, traffic management issues. So you can't just have updated data on day-to-day -day basis. So what you can do is crowdsource data from different people and reward them for these kind of action. Like what Google reviews do based on different places people review and they reward them and, and they get updated data about uh, what what's happening around you, whether that street is open or closed or whether there is a new street coming up. So thanks thanks for sharing that. And, and the important point you mentioned about is that how the whole, this geospatial data world is changing in the last 20 years. Like we are collecting much more data now going to the increasing penetration, advanced satellites. So we are generating tons of uh, spatial data. But there is also issue about this privacy and cybersecurity and data privacy with these more and more data collection. But what I want to check with you is how availability of more spatial data has changed in recent year and how can transportation and logistics industry can use spatial data to better understand the need and behavior of customer. I was discussing in my previous conversation with one of the public transit guy and he was very excited about whole spatial data because he said you can have much more understanding about consumer behavior with that data rather than just having a census number. But this uh, geospatial data can give you much more understanding about your customer, like whether they go to mall, whether they go to shop, yeah. whether they buy expensive stuff, whether they use parking lot, whether they use uh, buses or train. So how do you see availability can help the sector? So. I, I I think the sector in itself, right, is just going through a massive paradigm shift. Okay, currently. Uh, so, see, location was always never mainstream, if you look at it. It's yeah. not like uh, people thought location first. N never almost, right? So, uh, people always thought problem first. Hmm. Uh, so, as of today, the, like a little bit of that is changing because we're collecting a lot of probe data, if nothing. Right. And only company that leveraged it very well was Waze or Google that they had amazing traffic models they built from Android and things like that. But it, like today, every company is looking at what can I do with my location data actually. Okay. Uh, and there's not enough solutions slash enough uh, expertise in this domain to even make people understand. In the world of ad tech and marketing, they understand it really well, by the way, for the last yeah. decade. Right, understanding footfall, understanding retail analytics, understanding who's going to which store, store to door movement. So in this world of marketing, they've understood it pretty well. Ad tech and marketing. So I mean, that's why you see targeted ads come to you very well on Android or Apple. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but in anywhere else, they have not cracked this this problem. Uh, I think, uh, especially cities and governments are very. So th their world is geospatial. 
Hmm. I will just have some data of the city in some sort of a, a, a format and let it be. But like that way, Singapore is very advanced. Like Singapore has its own map called One Map. Uh, yeah. It's an older map. It's a, it's a raster as what we call it. It's uh, static. But yet they have they have managed to create a repository on a more visual layer on everything. Roadworks, schools, districts, routing, everything. Right. So now we are sort of trying to work with them slowly to make it a vector and make it a navigable map. Uh, early stages still, but it is we have in the ideation process with them on all this sort of citizen use cases. Let's say you have your own mapping app or yeah. just a citizen app. You having the fact that you can push very basic things like, hey, this road works going on and ABCD things that don't go there. Uh, mm. There is all of this barrier-free access for prams and older citizens. All these things become very easy for you as a like a city government or a central government or even the federal government. right? So we have been pushing so many public policy and government makers say you need to have your own government sector map that citizens should use hmm. because you have the most advanced survey grade data that maybe nobody has. True. Uh, so it is something that I think there is some, some sort of opening up happening, but even today they're more comfortable to work in partnership and just share the data with someone rather than building something on that. Right. So I think there will change that there will be like a lot of use cases that if you want to build a smart city, the fundamental thesis is having a map. Okay. That's true. Every smart city starts with a basic map on stuff. You build something smart, like be it 3d, 5d, whatever you want a whole 3d rendering of your city. You first need a good 2d map of it that you know how to use. Yeah. So there's a, there's, there's a bit of educational barrier here is because people are seeing these drone images and thinking, wow, that is sexy, but I don't know what to do with it. But so that, that's, that's exactly what a smart city is, right? Only because you fly a drone and render a 3d, that's not a smart city. Right. You have to render this 3D on top of a 2D, understand location context, which addresses is what. Uh, I'll give an amazing use in China and all what they do. They know per building in, in 3D who all have paid taxes that year. Ah, right? Because they have floor level amazing. information. So you can actually say for this county, for these buildings, I have all the 3D done. Okay. And in this 3D, I understand everything in that context, in that county. Okay. So I understand who's paid water bills, who's paid electricity bills, who's paid taxes. That's a smart city government use case where you, do, you, you can monitor everything on this one small, you know, UI, right? So the we need a lot more, uh, how do I say, awareness, like like a lot more openness for these governments to come and say, listen, I, I'm keen on some solution like this. Yeah. No, I think what you mentioned is it's superb. That case of like, it's not just map, but you actually build that business layer. And I, I fully agree with you. A lot of smart city, they just think that bringing tech will solve everything, but it's actually how you integrate different things. Like in India, you and me know what are the different challenges. Like you don't even have a basic map about the utilities, where the utility yeah. lies. And and every time they dig up something and they discover, oh, we break something, which we never right. thought exists there. So first thing for smart city, creating those kind of a layer. And what mm. you mentioned about, you know, how you can have a better control over citizens, like uh, household data, you can you can understand their behavior, you can map their probably income or spending pattern with that layer, and you can understand how people will use. You know, one important point you mentioned is that how people can learn more about accessibility, like people who are uh, with small kid, young kid uh, using pram or old people. There are two key emerging area I have seen all over the world, especially in North America. There's a lot of discussion about this accessibility and, right. and cities want to build map, which are yeah. not just giving you the best route, but which give you the accessible routing option. Like city of Vancouver yeah. 
is implementing this mapping solution for wheelchair user, people with walking disability. So in 2026 Commonwealth game, they want you to search route based on where you can take your wheelchair or where you can, uh, old people can go. And the other big thing is the wayfinding. People with, uh, I would say, visible disability or they cannot understand the wayfinding or sometimes buildings are so big. Sometimes you lost in the mall because it's so big. So the wayfinding is becoming two key area. What do you think about these emerging area? Is next billion is also planning to build something in that area? So same thing. So we want to be a generic tooling slash a location company rather than trying to build very specific solutions for a problem. Right? Yeah. So we can already build this wayfinding barrier free access, uh, you know, routing on wheelchairs, accessibility, prams in the existing platform. It's just a matter of having the need, understanding yeah. where. So contextually, we already have all the software and the information to do it. So for us, we only will cater to folks who have a like real scalable need in general. So is it doable? Absolutely doable. Already done and proven uh, in a country like Singapore, how to do it. Uh, We have the understanding it's because uh, this is not a mapping problem. This is a location problem with data layering on top, right? You need Hmm. every curb, you need every accessible point, you need every blocker, you need every slope in the city. Only then can you route them uh, like easily. You also have to make sure barrier-free meaning. So when you say barrier-free access, it's like like some roads should not be extremely sloped or extremely thing. So you need to route them in the most efficient, plain fashion, if possible. Yeah. Uh, extremely doable. Next bill is already in it. Uh, so we are in all things location currently. We are expanding our own scope. Initially, we were a little narrow in what we do. But as we're talking to customers, we're seeing there's a need in every vertical that we talk to. Like oil and gas, microfinance, employment, uh, I think location plays an extremely uh, important part. We had a company who wanted the closest job. Oh, so okay. purely distance-based job, right? You open your mobile app j- just to calculate distance, how far this job is from you. Okay. And so things like this, right? So uh, uh, it's like, it, it is giving more context to the 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 job applicant saying, hey, if, if my job is 300 kilometers away, I don't even apply for it maybe as an example, right? So if the location of this job. So... Okay. Things like this we are seeing on our own opener. Uh, like in microfinancing, you have to do loan collections. Uh, so we have folks who collect loans every day almost. Yeah. Uh, and you have to go to a certain number of houses to do your evening beat. Uh, it's a route optimization problem. It's not a finance problem. right? So we are ourselves proactively getting customers who are asking us for all these things. So this year is purely focused for us, Jaspal, to make sure that we get our product right. Hmm. We get some sales motion going. Uh, there are many problems to solve as, as I you know, spoke about, but what are the most revenue generating problems today for the company? Cause we're venture funded and we need to justify our revenues and we can't be in the R and D phase for a long time. Oh yeah. Uh, and then slowly, you know, build up towards this vision of what I was saying that we'll be the only location platform you need. You don't need to go anywhere. Just come here. We'll give you everything. Amazing. No, I agree with you. It's like always good to understand the problem and user you should come to you and say, this is my use case. Can we, can we implement that? Now you mentioned about a lot of buzzword in the market. And one of the key buzzword today is this chat GPT or, or I would say generative AI tool and VCs and a lot of uh, founders and companies are building up tool for that. I see some use case for generative AI for kind of finding routing for accessibility, wayfinding. Are you planning to integrate something with next billion chat GPT kind of a feature or, or generative AI? So I think for us, generative AI is not at all a, how to say parallel vertical, or it, it would not help in any way for spatial data. Uh, 
but uh, like for example crowdsourcing uh, is something at some point we'll integrate because we have a navigation sdk and using the navigation sdk when our enterprise customers start starts using it their end users will start giving feedback hmm. and we want to make sure that we are leveraging that feedback in the best way possible to improve the maps so that sort of integrations is is what we'll do but i don't think anything generative currently in our world works hmm. so it's it's not uh, not for next billion not <clears throat> you don't want to see any use case right now as of today no no great and i agree i think it's it's a buzzword with a lot of discussion we are seeing today probably will die down but but certainly some use case will emerge but not all of them now yeah. i want to discuss more about your entrepreneurial side because like you mentioned you started company during the pandemic in fact i watched one of your video on linkedin when you met your co-founder first time in person after 2 year of starting company yeah because uh, you couldn't travel and he couldn't travel Correct. so you Correct. both were in different countries so you met after 2 year and you mentioned some very important point in the beginning that uh, for any successful business two things are very important the problem and the team Correct. now i want to understand like founding team is very important so how did you build your team how did you find your co-founder and what is your feedback for other entrepreneur who is who is looking to start business that how they can build a killer team so very difficult question uh, <laughs> i think uh, many people ask have asked me this that how do you guys work the way you do uh, i i'll tell you the two things that we have i have at least seen uh, actually you never start with your friends uh, okay. that's first first things first uh, i am friends with both gorham and shaulin they will say the same but we were not friends first hmm. uh, we professionally worked together first in terms of three and a half years of hard work uh, where we would give very candid feedback to each other if we suck at something that's the first mm-hmm. things first right so we built trust over the years in first professional setting and so that's extremely important that you have worked with a person in the past uh, and worked in a capacity where you can tell them hey this is not working out mm-hmm. if you don't have that sort of a candidness very tough for companies to succeed and the biggest reason startups fail in fact is co-founder issues as they grow yeah yeah uh so that part of it we were very clear from first day that listen hey if any one of us is slacking we tell very candidly listen boss is not working out mm-hmm. okay that's one so for you to have a team and if you want to build a like a killer company you need that first founding to be very strong that foundation yeah very strong uh it's a 10 year journey almost okay so you need to really like the people you're working with mm-hmm. and when i say it's like a marriage almost right you need to like like them day in day out <laughs> not a transactional yeah. this thing so second most important thing is having personalities that match mm. uh, and third of course each one of you should have very clear vetoes on your roles and skill sets mm. we still do not have a ceo if you go to our linkedins we just have co-founder titles ah okay uh, we don't intend to ever have i mean shaul is the cto it's very clear but when me and gorav we are very like hey listen we're just co-founders right mm. but we have clear vetoes gorav is all things product because he's okay. the best at it. and i am all things investor relations sales marketing bd legal everything else right so those pseudo we do ceo sorry cpo cto ceo sort of roles we've never put titles okay in our, and that's very cultural for us also we've never liked titles in our life mm. it unnecessarily brings up competition who's bigger uh, all these things right so yeah. uh, we kept these things pretty open so you need to be very 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 open with each other in terms of actually building a good team 
and we have also before starting up we had also written a huge philosophical document right like so today listen why are we doing this you know you, you know what's your exit plan why is it that you're doing this at this stage of your life so being older founders maybe we were a little bit more structured and mature in what we do right so these are things that are very crucial important i've seen all sorts of co-founder troubles uh, at least through my friend circle and my network uh, i am very blessed to have two very good co-founders <laughs> uh, i still think that a lot of my life becomes very easy because we blindly trust each other in everything because we understand capabilities we understand our own uh, shortcomings and and we are very mature about all this so i think these are three key three key things that you need to look for in a partner in a partner i also think you can't go looking for a co-founder i i, I would never do it hmm. uh, i would only do it with somebody who i gel with at work no i i think the point you mentioned in fact i wrote an article about this finding a co-founder and the point you mentioned about is that have that candid relationship and uh, openly telling each other what is wrong what is good and building having trust and i love i in fact i mentioned uh, you as a ceo but now i realize okay that's not the case you are co-founder and and gorav is also co-founder right. you both share responsibility and so now one of the key challenges uh, like you mentioned you started your company in singapore but uh, you have now team in different part of the world right now you are in us itself uh, to to make for sale page and and meet the uh, different partner investors and all what are some of the biggest challenge you face as a co-founder i would not say ceo of a company but co-founder of a fast growing startup and how have you navigated them is like uh, you started during pandemic you can't able to travel meet the people you had employee because you got funding early so you need to expand you need to build the product how did you manage this fast growing startup and what are the challenge you are facing which you still are struggling to solve so <clears throat> i think all of us were techies uh, meaning we have engineering degrees i am a yeah. very bad engineer but it is my other two founders are absolute techies as well uh, so i think we knew product uh, and stuff very well we knew what to build exactly how to solve the problem but what we didn't understand was marketing sales gtm uh, mm. this this fields even today we don't know it we've learned a lot but it's not like we have cracked repeatable sales motion in next billion it's mm. still scrappy it's still here and there uh, in all fairness we are just two and a half years old so i think early still for saas but uh, we need to crack this motion open understand enterprise needs understand how to close enterprise deals this is verticals that we have not really uh, i still think aced this year i am personally that's when the us now also to spend time and understand what to do right mm-hmm. learn uh, and only then can we i think uh, open up this massive tam that we think is there for this vertical yeah. so uh, i think where you also i am understanding now uh, is understanding business context and selling tech is way more important than just building technology oh yeah it's easy to build technologies very tough to sell it uh so this is something that i have learned over the last two or 3 years and there's no shame in accepting that uh, it's it's obviously not been great in terms of learning on how to sell right repeatably so we are now learning and i also am very confident in our team that once we put our heads together we'll we'll solve it mm. so uh, the the one thing that i hold very highly of us is uh, like we may not be this uh, trail blazing startup etc but our team is just absolutely fantastic we have mm. and picked our people uh, since all of us worked at least 10 12 years in the in our careers we have chosen some of the best that we have worked with 
right? in in setting up this 75 sort of you know core member team that we've set up so uh i think that is something again that's very important your early stages you having a great team and you understanding that it's a hustle world it's not going to be a structured nice fun job is very very crucial even for your employees you need to be very frank and say listen things change rapidly things oh, yeah. change weekly i'm not saying we'll pivot our product and suddenly from maps become location and from location become some generative so we will be following through on this vision yeah but the way we reach that goal is going to be very very scrappy and and that's how the way the startup journey is you have to figure out on the way you can't just wait and not everyone's cut out for it huh? like like trust me when i say it uh, very few people are cut out for uh, this level of hey things change like every oh yeah <laughs> so many get frustrated and leave many just listen yeah. i can't do this it's really uh, it's it's not my cup of tea but if you enjoy it it is the most fun thing you can do oh yeah oh yeah it's it's you know i i should recommend you to read this uh, book the lego story it's a story about how lego company was built and okay. like you mentioned the original founder he was a product guy he has zero clue about sale he can't collect money he can't talk to people but his son one of his son third son he was like marketing guy he he has no idea about product but he was marketing guy so that's how the company form is like once they build the product they had a good product and then he came into the picture and he sell it and and i feel like you mentioned both things are important for business you need to have a good product and you need to have a good sale team so that you can you can sell it out what you have built but i think you will figure out uh, you just need to hustle correct now next billion close a big series b round of 21 million last year which is great uh, so big congratulation to you because during that time everything was slowing down and you managed to pull it off what are your plan for next 2 3 year how do you see next billion growing in next 2 3 year and how you're planning to use this funding i think for us the the biggest area is sales as i said i mean i'm going to keep repeating it we're obsessed with it now uh, it's to crack not sales meaning crack customers it is to crack the sales process yeah if nothing for our own learning right it's not about going and cracking one customer somewhere uh, how do i crack one and then crack 100 on top yeah right so understanding the process understanding activations understanding the post customer journey understanding customer success understanding the post building of product journey is where mm-hmm. we are focusing and investing our time and whatever the capital we raised right we as a company have never hired too many so mm-hmm. we only hire as needed so that way i don't think we are going to massively go and invest in hiring and scaling teams globally we're just going to keep it nimble slow and very fast moving sorry slow meaning small sorry yeah. uh, so that's what we're going to do i think also where we're going to focus a lot of our energy this year is going to be in uh positioning and branding the company also uh, because as of today it was it was very like hey you are a you are another mapping platform so we are trying to say listen that that's just the input into the mapping yeah. platform we'll spend a lot of our time in educating the market as i was talking about making them understand why location is important this is where we're going to spend time on and that's why we are recording this also we can share yes. with more people <laughs> yes <laughs> no i think it's important it's to be honest in 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 our discussion even i learn a lot of new thing and i understand it's not about mapping solution it's it's about how to solve the business problem business case like you mentioned about security agency you mentioned about maintenance staff you mentioned about last mile logistic hyper local delivery and electric vehicle how the planning can be done much better and why this kind of solution is required because not everybody has access to millions of vehicle like not everybody have access to tesla fleet which can plan their own fleet and which can do stuff so it's very important so so thanks for sharing that now this is my last question 
and it's basically i want to understand because you are part of a uh, lot of this uh, like you're part of forb tech council you're part of a lot of other forum where you discuss about how the world is changing yeah and what are the new technology coming up so how do you see the use of ai technology is going to transform mobility or logistic world in next 5 to 10 year mm-hmm. and what is the role do you see next billion will be playing in that transformation i think i think ai has always already been transforming logistics and mobility for a long time now actually under the hood yeah. like, like you never see it but if you see basic information like incidents traffic uh rerouting anything that you see today it all happens using ai and all happens using data that's being collected from you even without your knowledge yeah. so i think eventually with this whole access to data being more and more limited as we progress uh i think big tech's influence on this is going to become a little tougher right mm. so uh, i think what's going to happen is either companies that are independent like next billion that are small uh, or other companies in this vertical uh, they will have access to very niche data with consent of enterprises and customer or mm. governments then it will be a more a dedicated problem solving ai focus and generic ai focus mm. it's going to be very specifically as how do i reduce carbon footprint of my trucking network reducing mm. ai that's going to be the problem we'll be solving rather than how do i optimize truck routing in us right yeah. so so ai is going to be used for more nicheer use cases <clears throat> than a very generic build uh, uh, that's where i think i am seeing this at least like my conversations with other folks is that that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, and two other things is going to happen is access to data is going to get very limited for everyone to distribute so so the company that works with other companies and shares this data in a way that's useful for a specific problem that's going to be this like the a second switch that's going to happen because even consumers will start consenting no to sharing their location data as an example okay uh, already apple has put this in their own operating system yeah right so all of this is going to become more restricted than open it's not like you can gray ball anyone like you know it used to happen 8 9 years back Uh, so i think with all of this uh, paradigm shifts it is going to be very important for uh, companies like ours and even bigger companies to so understanding and modeling their own business models in this way that hey data will be free abundantly available but for the right people so we That's... also think to do any ai the most important thing is obviously training data hmm. and access to training data all these years was only with fang companies yeah but now everyone has data hmm. so how do you model this data for specific use cases how do you make it usable is what is going to change in the next 5 7 years rather than i have the best data i am the best mm. so these are some huge shifts that are going to happen over the next 3 to 5 years i i think 10 is too long in 10 many things will change yeah. but next 3 to 5 i think these are first first you know building blocks that are going to change well, that's very interesting because i mean lot of people think there'll be lot of data in future i mean you you are saying there'll be lot of data in the future but it will be very specific so it will be right yeah. for right user it not be anybody can have access to any kind of data because uh, yeah. you're right people are now restricting data use apple has put this in fact google is planning now google ad is planning that you cannot get the cookies data of uh, yeah. your website browsing so they will restrict that so a lot of these restriction will be in place and it will be interesting no thanks yeah. for sharing that uh, really really interesting uh, ajay to learn from your perspective now we discuss about technology ai mapping lot of other thing 
Now it's time to learn more about you. And uh, to do that, we have this rapid fire question round. We generally yeah. ask this five question uh, okay. to learn <laughs> you as a person. So whenever yeah. you're ready, I'll start. Yeah, ready. <laughs> okay. So if you're not in a, if you were not in a technology and this geospatial uh, technology yeah. industry or technology industry, what other profession you would have selected? I think I'd be a chef. Chef? Oh. Yeah. So you love yeah. cooking? I, I love food, love cooking. Even today, I think my... Uh, my dream is to have a small restaurant. Uh, so I think I will, uh, yeah, if I do anything with next billion, I will invest some money into uh, having a nice, <laughs> restaurant. My, other, my other passion is sports. Uh, so I'll be very close to sports. I think that's the two things I would do as soon as all this tech AI stuff is done. That's amazing. Both are good uh, sports and healthy food. So it can combine together, probably together. It may not be healthy, <laughs> but food in general. Is food. <laughs> now you have traveled around the world and yeah. seen so many cities. You have actually live in different cities. Which yes. is your favorite city in the world? I, I think New York City should be number one. <laughs> in terms of just pure ranking, uh, very closely followed by Tokyo, if it's mega cities. Uh, if it's the non-mega cities, I think Bora Bora in Tahiti is probably one of the most, mm. most beautiful places i've seen in my life so, so he said yeah amazing amazing now what's your favorite book or podcast you want to recommend to other i actually is the most embarrassing thing i don't read uh at all uh i read news i i read very niche stuff and i don't listen to podcasts at all I'm not, <laughs> doing uh, not because i don't want to there has been not much time to do it yeah. uh, uh, but uh i think uh i I take my inspiration from sports uh, mm. more than books or podcasts. Uh, okay. uh, most of my inspo, I've I've said this so many years, has been with very elite athletes who have stayed at the top of their game for a decade or so, right? Because sports is all mind. At, at that level, it's all just heart and mind, two things. Oh, yeah. Uh, and these two things are very crucial even for entrepreneurship. So oh, yeah, yeah. heart and mind is extremely, extremely important. So I have mostly taken inspo from that. Let's say Michael Jordan... Uh, like like Ronaldo, like these are guys who stayed at that peak for a long time. So they have specific techniques on how they do it. And you can try to emasculate a little bit of that and you'll still succeed very well because they are at extreme top of their game. So yeah, that's usually how I take my inspo at least. Oh, which is which is great because a couple of days back, I was reading one of the athletes from US. He, he mentioned that how they wake up every day, six o'clock in the morning and work out for seven, eight hours. Correct. And you can only do when you have a bigger purpose in mind, you know, otherwise and you can't do it. It's, and it's like same and uh, extreme perseverance, I think. So it's because it, everyone loses. It's, 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 a, it's a part of it, right? But how you come back is very important. And I feel that at least for me, that keeps me going. Uh, saying that, hey, you know, folks have achieved a lot more in life with lot less resources. So yeah. no reason why we should flake. No, I, I can see that because that's what you mentioned in the beginning is you're not looking this for making it 10 billion or $20 billion no, company. You're here to have fun. And that, that's yeah, a yeah. spirit of a game. Yeah, if it happens, <laughs> no stress. Absolutely not. Which is good. Now, what one thing do you wish you should have learned early in life? Uh, I mean, in in life, I think uh, I, sh I should have learned very early that education is not super important. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe in life, I mean. But we... Came from middle class Indian backgrounds in the 90s, which that was the only thing that sort of a salvation, you know, for many. So I understand uh, where we came from. Uh, in the in the entrepreneurship journey, uh, I think what we wished we learned earlier was focus, hmm. uh, which we lacked, I think, in terms of narrowing focus, not focus, focus, but trying to do too much. 
because we had money or we had raised capital let's experiment uh, instead of trying to double down on stuff that is working yeah so uh, the two themes for this year and next year actually is uh, quality and focus Hmm. and and last year the three teams were you know like let's go sign n number of customers let's go increase you know uh, platform usage revenue we had this very generic generic things uh, yeah. this is super targeted we just want to make sure we focus on things that are working and quality of customers is important than quantity of customers oh yeah yeah no i think that's that's superb at least you you are now doing that focusing on what is important and and i think what you mentioned is very important because that was biggest lesson of my entrepreneurial journey when i started company i was focusing on too many things but ultimately i learned you have to double down on what is working and right. re rest now this is my last question uh and it can be your personal life professional life but uh, if you can change one thing in life what would it be If I could change one thing in life, uh, I generally, I always have always lived with the thing that life's good. There's no uh, issues in life in general. However, uh, you know, tough or easy it has been. Uh, I think the only thing I wish was personal life, maybe uh, you know, staying closer and spending more time with parents, uh, mm. which has been there, but still not been there. It's this nagging uh, uh, personal feeling that hey, I should spend obviously more time more with time. family. uh but obviously owing to work and this things have been crazy over the last few years it's not been happening but that's the only thing i would change if possible that maybe i would stay even more closer to my like family oh that's great no i wish you that I wish you good luck with that because that's that's the thing everybody miss family yeah. and that's a that's the biggest support system you have so thank you so much ajay i mean thank you for sharing all your great insight i really love our conversation and wish you good luck in your journey i mean i can see you are on a right path it's just you need to have more wins that's it yes absolutely i agree and i hope we do <laughs> you will definitely thank you so, thank you so much yeah thank, thank you great chat thank you see you bye thank you for listening to this podcast we'll be inviting some other inspiring guest in coming week you can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode if you like this podcast please don't forget to give us a five star rating as it will help us to spread our message If you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast please do write to us at info@theretmobility-innovator.com at I look forward to see you next time thank you